Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Good morning. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Cheryl Hemp, and I am a member of this congregation. I want to extend a special welcome to any visitors joining us this morning. Since 1858, UU has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Between Sundays, we'd love to have you at one of our classes or events, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. And today, I just wanted to highlight a couple of announcements, which you can find on the yellow insert pages. Today, um, in the sanctuary, there'll be uh, a table. Our banned books library will be available in the atrium following the church service. Stop by to see the titles we've collected so far and to check one out if you like. Pick up some information about the current rate of book bans and challenges across the country and pick up a free bookmark. And this is written by Joni Hahn, who will be at the table there today if you wanted to go meet with her. And then just to highlight that the Presbyterian Church um, is continuing to serve free meals every Sunday beginning, they started in 2006 and they have continued to this day. And our church has been one of 17 congregations participating in that, but they continue to need volunteers. So if you could reach out to Marsha Fitzgerald, who handed you your programs when you came in today, and she could give you more information about that. And now, as we begin our worship service, let us take a moment to extend peace and blessing to one another and please rise and greet your neighbors as you wish or are able. Dear friends, let us gather our hearts and minds for worship. Please join me in reciting the chalice lighting. And the words are actually um, number 448 in the back of your hymnal. 448. We gather this hour as people of faith with joys and sorrows, gifts and needs. We light this beacon of hope, sign of our quest for truth and meaning in celebration of the life we share together. 
Now please rise again in body or spirit for our opening hymn, which is number 1007 in the Teal Hymnal. 1007. I was looking for a time for all ages this morning. I was flipping through a book I have by Randy Hammer of Children's Activities, and I want to share with you one I've adapted about a drink of water. To help me out, I have a helper this morning, and she's going to bring up one of my plants from home. Now, I have to admit, I'm not always very kind to my plants, and as my helper can confirm, I frequently forget to water them. As you can see from this one, or maybe you can't see from where you're sitting, this one is rather droopy. Its leaves are rather dangly, because it, in fact, is in pretty desperate need of a little bit of water. But when my helper here gives it some water, with a little bit of time, it's going to perk right up. Thank you, Mia. You can go back to your seat. We're like that, too. If you think about that hot weather we had last week and you walk outside and the air was thick and you get a little sweaty and maybe a little droopy or gross feeling, and then you get a nice, tall, cool glass of water and you perk right up. 
Or if you've had not a great day at work, or not a great day at school, or maybe you're a little hangry or feeling a little down, and you get home to your loved ones, or you talk to a friend, or maybe take a nap, or eat a little snack, and suddenly you wake up and you feel just nice and perked up. Well, our church is like that too. We come in, we sing a beautiful song or listen to some beautiful music, we hear a story, we hear a meaningful word from the minister, or we chat with friends, or hear a kind word in our community, maybe play a game. And even if we've had a thumbs down week, or a thumbs up week, or a thumbs sideways week to steal something from one of our children's groups, we suddenly leave here feeling a little bit better, a little bit perked up. And that's what water communion is all about. The water we're going to pour into our vase here soon signifies that we are going to hear to nourish each other and refresh each other, just like this water is going to refresh my plant. It's a sign that we are giving and receiving from each other a nice big drink of water. And that is our time for all ages for today. This morning, we're worshiping as a whole community, so I'm going to invite you to sing our children's song that's printed in your order of worship to bless those gathering here and those gathering online. I'd like to invite everyone to join me in the spirit of prayer and meditation. If you accept the invitation, I want you to first settle into your body. Take a moment to become aware of any aches and pains. Take note of any thoughts that ran through your head all week, maybe this morning. If you pray or meditate with your eyes closed, it's a good time to close them. First, take a breath full and deep into your chest. Slow out. And another breath full into your stomach. And slow out. As our gratitude is greater than we can ever express, so too is our awareness of the broken places in our world. Too many people live in daily pain. Too many wars spread hatred and fear. Too many rivers carry pollution to the sea. We hold especially close the victims and survivors of the earthquake in Morocco. 
We pray for the first responders who rush into danger and see firsthand how fragile life is. Holy burning, breathing spirit of life, pour out your love among us and through us as we pray in silence for the healing of the world. And now let us call to mind all the joys and sorrows in our lives and let us meditate on them in silence together now. Amen. Please stay seated for hymn number 352 in the gray hymnal, Find a Stillness.
Let there be an offering to sustain and strengthen this place, which is sacred to so many of us, a community of memory and of hope, for we are now the keepers of the dream. The mission and ministry of UU Wausau is made possible by the generous support of its members and friends. Rather than pass a plate at this time, we've placed an offering basket in the back of the sanctuary for you to drop a gift in. You can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time or reoccurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support. The reading I selected this morning is by the poet and the minister, the late minister, Elizabeth Tarbox. I first was told about Elizabeth Tarbox by, for those of you who are sort of veteranish uh, members of this congregation, by former minister Glinda Walker. Like Glinda, Elizabeth was someone who went to the ministry very late in her life and they met at Harvard Divinity School. And she wrote two collections of meditations and uh, both of those collections or a gift that Glinda gave me before she died. This is one of my favorite poems in one of those. The poet writes, Do not live too far in the past or the future. Live now. In each moment, expect a miracle. Ten kinds of birds at the feeder and the tracks of the fox in the snow. Pick up a magnifying glass and scrutinize that crocus. 
See the pollen at the center of the daffodil, life's dust, death-defying life. Be astonished at the flower, arrested by its beauty. Run through the garden early in the morning and hope the wild geese fly by. Get silly and laugh loudly with your grandchildren or your grandparents. Refuse to leave the dead behind, but bring their memory to all your chores and games and corners of quiet, warm tears. Know always that the joy and sorrow are woven together. One cannot be without the other. If you love, know that sometimes your love will bring you to tears. If you grieve, know it is because at some time you were willing to love. Do not be afraid to die today, but expect life. Therein ends our reading.
Well, I'm sorry I didn't warn all of you in advance, but I have an important announcement to make this morning. Starting next Sunday, we are going to have seating assignments. <laughs> Many of you think that you're sort of entitled to a pew or a general area in the sanctuary. Like there is some groove custom made for your plump rear end to just sit in. And there's a plaque underneath it with your name on it. I'm sorry, this decision is not personal, but you are probably not going to sit where you want to sit anymore. Next Sunday, what we're going to do is we are going to divide the sanctuary in two. All of the good people will sit here on my right side, <laughs> closest to Margaret and the music. Let's get real. All of the bad people will sit over here on my left. Now, you might be wondering how we are going to determine who here is good and who here is bad, but don't worry. The staff and I collaborated over the course of the summer. Margaret, Jess, Carolyn, Melody, and I, we have developed a questionnaire with some simple questions to help us determine who here is good and who here is bad. So here are the questions. If you want to start thinking about them, get your pens and your pencils out and write them down. First question is this. Do you say literally when you're saying something figuratively. <laughs> I literally died when I saw that movie. You didn't. You didn't die. The second question is probably the most important. Have you ever worn Crocs? Yes or no? <laughs> the third question is, when the payment screen at the restaurant prompts you how much to tip, do you select the measly 15% the acceptable but unremarkable 20% or the truly holy and righteous 25%. <laughs> the last question I have for all of you is this. Do you pronounce the word spelled B-A-G, bag or beg? This will help. No one's laughing. You all say beg. You don't know this? You all say, I'm, let me get my bag. That's what you all say. Anyways, okay. Next Sunday, the staff and I, we will have had plenty of time to review everyone's answers, and we will post your seating assignments on the sanctuary doors to let you know your official delegate. Or, uh, anyways, this was dumb. Okay, you all get it. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. None of this is true. I don't divide you all up into groups. I believe very much like Alexander Shultzenitsyn that the line separating good and evil runs right through every human heart. Besides, this is a Unitarian Universalist church. Those of us who believe in God, we think God is too good to send us to hell. And those of you who don't believe in God think that if there is a God, you're too good to be sent to hell. So relax. There is nothing going on here. All of this said, I am leading up to a real point. A lot of us like to talk about other people, right? You know you do. I know you do. I can see it in your faces. You did it this morning. We like to separate people in our minds, right? People who don't think like us, don't vote like us, don't worship like us. And those of us here on the liberal end of the religious spectrum, we like to say that it's those people and we divide them into good and bad. But let's get real. All of us put people into little self-serving boxes. 
But it's Sunday, and you are in church on a Sunday, and that means you're here for a little good news. So I've got your good news. It is a new church year. This year will be the church's 159th, I think, and it is also water communion. It is the Sunday we recommit ourselves to one another, to this church. It's the Sunday we recommit our courage, the courage it takes to allow for true diversity of ideas, especially when it comes to matters of faith and matters of identity. It's the Sunday we recommit to the work of making and keeping community, a community of people, newsflash, who don't think the same, a community of people who don't cry the same, a community of people who don't take the same medicines, who don't have the same backgrounds or income or abilities or disabilities, a community of people who don't like the same kinds of music, a community where everyone does not believe in God, a community where not everyone rejects God. Now, I could spend probably the next 40 Sundays that I'm preaching in this church here, and I could tell you all the little ways you've told me you're different. But I don't know if you know this or not, Unitarian Universalism has this terrible habit of often becoming the religion of everything we're not. Today, I'm going to tell you what we are. You might be wondering, well, Brian, how can you do that? Two things. I stand 10 feet above contradiction. I wear a black robe. (laughs) Number two, because for the last seven years, I've gotten to know you through anonymous letters, through thousands of emails, thousands, people, thousands of emails, dozens of meals, scores of walks, In hospital rooms, funeral homes, living rooms, kitchens, courtrooms, I've observed your family fights. I've been to your graduation parties. I've been to your birthday parties. I've been to your comings out. I've witnessed divorces, marriages, the birth of new children, band concerts, plays, reunions, and second chances. That's how I can say it. And from all that, here's what I can tell you about you that makes you very much the same as us. You've suffered. You've loved. You wish there wasn't so much suffering in our world. You've been loved. You've gotten second chances. You've had your heart broken. You're getting older. You've fallen down. You've struggled to get up and you've gotten up. You've made mistakes. You live with regrets. You've lied, you've cried, you've laughed. You've seen good movies and bad movies. Speaking of movies, let me freely admit, this was a really rough transition in the point in the sermon, but I couldn't figure out how to do it, so I'm just going to go really hard. We're changing the tone really, really quick. Speaking of movies, the other day, I watched the new Barbie movie. Have any of you seen the new Barbie movie? Uh, Let's keep a running tally. I cried three times. Anybody cry more than three? Raise your hand. Okay. Of course I cried during the actress American Farah's amazing monologue, on being an American woman. It's worth the price of admission just to hear this amazing monologue. But the part that really got me, and there's no spoiler alerts here, was when Barbie traveled from Barbie land to the real world, and she's sitting on a park bench. Do you all who've seen this movie remember this moment? She has one of those lucky moments when the world's untold stores of beauty, they sort of break open, 
and you get to linger in the wonder. And so for Barbie, right, she's just left this perfect plastic world for the real world. And what does she do? She sees it just as it is. Beautiful people, drug addicts, couples fighting, couples kissing, poverty, trashy streets, sun and leaves. And then the clouds roll in and rain and children and laughter and illness and death. It is a wonderful scene in a movie, and it's told in images and sound. And it reminds you, or at least it reminded me, that it takes effort sometimes to just stand still, to stop, to really look and see. Everyone knows that distractions, they court us endlessly. Seeing what's in front of us is often hard work, but what work it is for there are untold stores of beauty in this world. There's a great essay on this topic that you can find online with a Google search from the 1980s from the writer Annie Dillard, who wrote, I'm sure you remember her famous book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. She writes about going to an air show. Have you all ever been to an air show? You know what this is? I don't need to explain it. Everybody knows an air show, okay. So the highlight at every air show, at least in my book, is always the stunt pilots, right? all those daring tricks and maneuvers, the low flying. And so like us, Dillard had known about such people and such planes, but we also know that knowing is not the same thing as noticing. And so for days after, Dillard writes in this essay that she just kept thinking about this spectacle. The reason she kept thinking about it is because it had to do with beauty. Here's how Dillard puts it. I'm going to quote her a little bit at length here. Here's Dillard. I had thought I knew my way around beauty a little bit. I knew I had devoted a good part of my life to it, memorizing poetry and focusing my attention on complexity of rhythm in particular, on force, movement, repetition and surprise, and both poetry and prose. Now I had stood among the dandelions between two asphalt runways in Bellingham, Washington, and begun learning about beauty. Even the Boston Museum of Fine Arts was never more inspiring than this small northwestern airport on this time-killing Sunday afternoon in June. Nothing, nothing on earth is more gladdening than knowing we must roll up our sleeves and move back the boundaries of humanly possible once more. Now maybe you are not the kind of person like me or Dillard that gets excited about air shows and aerobatics, as they call it in the business. But I bet all of us can think about the feeling Dillard is getting at, the joy of having seen a thing you've never seen or never really seen before, and how revelation can, in a moment, expand your mind and change your thinking. Now, often it doesn't change our thinking completely. But what it does is it opens the door of your mind just a crack, enough to let in new air, enough to let in new light. Now, I'm going to tell you an amazing true story quickly. Then I'm going to give you a challenge. And then you all are going to come forward and participate in the water communion. The story is about encountering something about new light and new air. So back in 2018, many of you may recall that there were 12 boys and a young man who got trapped in a flooding cave in Thailand. 
And so what happened after these 13 people were trapped deep inside this cave, the Thai Navy SEALs, they were called in. But it was such a complex system of caves that these experts in diving, they struggled to know what to do. But the thing is, is they had absolutely no time to think because it was the rainy season. And so with every passing minute, what was happening? The cave was filling with water. The time to save these boys and this young man was rapidly running out. Now, if you can believe this, and this is true, there's a wonderful story of this in the BBC that I just read not that long ago. Divers from around the world were sitting on their couches at home and they were doing what we do. They were watching TV going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Maybe I have something to give. And so with fear and doubt and with very, very little hope for survival, volunteers from around the world swiped their own credit cards and boarded a plane, many of them for the first time, to Thailand. And so all these volunteers spent two weeks of searching, two weeks of opportunities to give up. And one day, on the 14th day, two men from England popped their heads above water, and what did they see in front of them? Thirteen people, 12 boys in their football coach, who'd been stranded in a cave, drinking water as it dripped down the cave walls, and splitting candy bars and potato chips that they had packed for what they thought would be nothing more than a day hike. Just think about the friendship it took to keep each other sane. Think about the human endurance. Think about the lengths some people will go to save someone else's child. Imagine what it must have been like to be the parents of that first child carried into safety. Imagine what it must have been like to be the parents of the 12th. I love this. After everyone was carried to safety and they were rushed to the hospital, the Thai Navy SEALs did what we all do, and they went to Facebook and they made a Facebook post about the work that they're just doing. I'm going to directly quote it. Quote, we are not sure if this is a miracle or science or what. End. That was the only statement they gave. Imagine what these people learned about themselves, about each other, about what's possible for everyday people like us about how beautiful a thing like breath can be. An air show, a movie, a walk with friends, a meal, a rescue, a deep breath. There are so many types of beauty in this world, but the secret is to look, to linger, and then long after you passed by, to wonder. There's this Russian philosopher from the 1930s named Nikolai Berdyev. He has this idea that modern life is obsessed with everything outside, that we're obsessed with activity, results, and progress. Modernity, he thought, was, quote, exhausting. He said that we can't carry on any longer merely on the surface, a purely external life. What he said is that we must either go deep or peter out altogether. And this deepening that he talked about, that Dillard talked about, it requires you to go inward and in thought and prayer, to spend time not outside of things commenting and judging and bickering, but inside of things. This asks you to resist the inner Linus that lives in every single one of us from the old Charlie Brown Peanuts cartoons who like to say, and I quote, I love mankind. It's the people I can't stand. 
You need to be willing to say, I love humankind, and stop. It's harder than it sounds, but I dare you all the same. Many of people within these walls want to make the world a better place. But too often we get distracted by what's happening in D.C. or the State House. And it's not that those things don't matter, they do. But a better world starts here also. A better world starts at the person sitting next to you. It starts in you, in this congregation, in the places where we meet God or the sacred face-to-face. And so this year, I invite you to embrace the incarnation of our lives, the complicated realities in our own lives, in our neighborhoods, churches, and in the lives of our family and friends. And if you forget everything that I've said this morning, here's what I want you to remember. It's one sentence. Whether you are here on Sundays or not, this church is here praying for you. This church is here hoping for you. It's imagining what's possible for everyday people like you, like us. This is what we do. And so when a group of lay women designed the first water communion back in the 70s, They chose water because it symbolizes life and because life is never easy. They believed and I believe that the only spirituality worthy of our devotion is one that uplifts, one that reduces suffering, and one that connects. This is what water communion is about. It's not a travel log. It's about making a commitment in front of a congregation that you have pledged a duty to. And so as you come forward to the common container to pour your water, I invite you to share an act, a duty, a promise you will uphold in the coming years to this church or to yourself. And whether you have water or not, please come forward and share your hope and your promise now. Please come forward. Rain barrel. <laughs> Rain from the backyard at Anago. And my commitment. the reading today, a lot less thinking about all the other stuff and a lot more here and now. Peace. Water communion has given me a a lot of things to think about and read a metaphor that it's like all the different people and all the different beliefs that come together at UU and then go out and and do UU stuff and help each other. And uh, so I'm bringing 
water from the city of wonderful water in Stevens Point, and I'm thinking all these different containers of water, I think inside the containers there's, I don't know how many molecules of water, and they're bases of life, and they've been all over, and now they're coming together here, and then after this, they go out somewhere else, sort of like us. It's, it's water from my farm in, in uh, Lincoln County, and my hope is that uh, Lincoln County will care for the elderly and um, for myself, gratitude for what does happen. Well, I forgot the water, but uh, I guess my uh, goal this year is to persist in uh, coming to church, being a member of this community. Uh, thank you. I poured in some water for him because I guess that's what the other container is for. If you didn't bring your own, that's okay. Um, my commitment to myself, my family, and the people that I love and the people I like or don't like so much or whatever is um, to continue working on myself and to have balance in my life. To love even when we're faced with a lot of evil acts. That was rainwater that I collected last night, and um, I want to never take it for granted that nature sustains us. This water that I pour from my water bottle is just something that I drink out of every day. And I've come to understand the importance of water and how water is life and um, learning from native and indigenous peoples and how we can value that. I commit to listening deeply and well. Renewal, literally. <laughs> Growing up in the Sonoran Desert, it always struck me as a miracle that I could turn on the kitchen faucet and have water. Uh, my, this is from our kitchen faucet, and my prayer is that the two billion people on planet Earth who today do not have access to clean, safe drinking water may find it very, very soon. have water today because my daughter went to the river and got it for me because I wouldn't be able to go down there and, and get it myself. But the place I live, um, I've been there 27 years or so, and it's my special place in this world. And this summer I have spent weeding my backyard by hand. It's a constant kind of meditation for me. I'm not using chemicals. We have never used chemicals. And it's just kind of a, a gift back to the earth to be out there on my little stool pulling weeds. 
that rain water that for some reason I always collect, even though I could just as easily grab a hose to water the flowers. Um, and I was thinking, why, why do I collect rainwater instead of just taking the easy way out and just watering? And I think it's, it goes back to the, the beauty of, of um, refreshing us, ourselves, with, with something that we find beautiful to begin with instead of always taking the easy way out. Um, the water that I poured in was just water from my faucet, and I poured it in just for the fact that I'm grateful to have safe drinking water. Uh, the water that I just poured in was from my faucet, too, and it reminded me of how many people don't have water in the world. <laughs> Thank you. So I think Jess and I uh, were on the same page uh, because I was sitting in our sunroom today and I noticed this little jar of water with a plant cutting inside of it. And, and maybe you do this. Maybe you've had a plant that wasn't doing so well. Um, and there are parts of it that are withering or browning or some leaves have dropped. But you notice that it's still alive, that it's surviving because you see there are parts of it that are still green, but you know it needs a fresh start. So maybe like me, you take the parts and you snip them off and you put them in a jar of water and you give it another chance, a new start. You know and you trust that the water will transform it. So my promise to this church is to keep believing in the power of community, that we can be the jar, that we can be the vessel that holds and carries the source of renewal for one another that we can give each other in the world outside these walls the opportunity to find hope when we are stuck cycling through old wounds and the trust that when we experience challenges, pain and suffering, when we're lost or when we feel broken, that we can begin again. Maybe be a jar that lets that healing and that love flow in for each other. So I'm going to say what my best friend would want me to say right now, and I'm going to work on trying to be a little teensy, itty bit more selfish, because I do tend to put others a lot farther ahead than I put myself, and also because she knows where I live. This was water from our very reliable well that has provided us with irrigation for our gardens and um, for us. That was from the Spirit River uh, west of Tomahawk where my husband and I live part of the year and we're committing to the greater UU community um, here but um, also in Marin County where we live the rest of the year. Water just from my faucet but glad to have it there whenever I need it. Our water is water from our country well, and given that it is from water way down deep, we know that we share it with all of you, as most water is. So our water is for our commitment to shared nutrition and hydration. 
This water is from, um, is spring water from the grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes in France. Um, and we were on vac vacation, which was a great experience, and it's said to be, have healing powers. It was a gift from Father Sky, rainwater. Makes me think of what we really all want to be doing in the year ahead, which is giving and receiving sustenance and support from one another and to one another. May the waters gathered here remind us of what each of us bring to this community. And of the waters that nourished us before we were even born, that continue to give us sustenance and energy for our life journeys and for all creatures of this earth. May we gratefully continue to swim to the other side. Please rise as you're willing and able for our closing hymn and insert in your bulletin. The water is wide. Miniwachone is a, a song that was written in support of the Lakota people when they were protesting the building of a pipeline through their, uh, through their land. And so um, we will have, this is in the category of a hymn that should be in our hymn books, but it isn't, and so it's in our blue things. So Karn and Shelley will sing it through once and then come in with them, and the rest of it is straightforward.
Thank you all for being here this morning. I want to extend an invitation to everyone to stay after for fellowship. I don't know all that we have out there, but I think it's a lot. Uh, you should stay, uh, have some refreshments, uh, reconnect with people. And if you will receive the blessing, I invite you to reach out, take the hand of someone nearby. If you're here alone, you're welcome to reach out with your heart. May the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. Have a seat, relax, enjoy the postlude, and I'll see you in just a moment. <laughs>